We are in Ephesians chapter 1. And, uh, and God, through the Apostle Paul, is unveiling some incredible, important spiritual truths uh, to the Christians who are at Ephesus. And, uh, and for us today, these, these blessings pertain to those who are in Christ. And all these blessings have occurred uh, before time began. So that's what we've been looking at. And, uh, and it's for those who have trusted in Christ. It's not for everybody, but for those who have trusted Christ for salvation. And God has purpose, Paul says, uh, particular things. He's, he's created us. He's purposed these blessings for a specific reason. And he's worked in those blessings. And in that working, he, he has energized us to be able to um, carry out, uh, fulfill these purposes that God has, has accomplished for our life. And we're going to be looking at that more this morning. But he's done all of this, Paul says, according to his good will. He found pleasure in doing all of this. And so we have been designed by God in love to do the good pleasure of his will. And so let's just review for a moment where we've been so far. What are the blessings that God has provided us in the heavenly places? First, Paul says he has chosen us. And then in choosing us, he has made us holy and blameless. This is our positional relationship with, with, with God through Christ. When God sees you, when God sees me, if your life is in Christ, we are holy and blameless before him. Paul goes on to say that we've been adopted in uh, verse 5 of Ephesians chapter um, 1. Uh, we become his children. He, in essence, has taken us home with him. Think of a courtroom scene, okay? And God, as judge, sees us in Christ, and he has justified us. He has pronounced us, pronounced you, not guilty. You are holy and blameless before him. But in that courtroom scene, not only has he pronounced you not guilty, but the judge, before he, before he closes the courtroom, looks at the defendant, looks at you and I and says, now, I want to adopt you. I want you to come home with me. And so this, ref this refers to our relational position with, with God the Father. Not only positionally are we holy and blameless, but relationally we are his child. We are a child of God. And then Paul goes on to say that Christ has redeemed us. He's purchased us. 
not with gold or silver, not with, with money. God has purchased us with the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And in purchasing us, in redeeming us, calling us of his own, that means we've been forgiven. Another blessing of God the Father. We've been forgiven uh, by his son's blood. And in this forgiveness, he remembers our sin no more. You know, if you try to remind God... If you're a child of God, your life is in Christ, and you try to remind God of the sins that you've committed, God is telling you, what sins? I don't remember any sins that you've committed. In Psalm 103, verse 12, the Bible says that God has removed our sin as far as the east is, from the West. And David was very specific about that when he wrote this psalm, when God inspired him to write those words. God didn't say, as far as the North is from the South. Because if you think of a globe, and if you start heading north on this globe, well, eventually you're going to reach the top of the world, and then you're going to start going south. Okay, and so the north eventually meets up with the south. But when it comes to the east and west, you can start traveling west and there is no ending. And you can start traveling east and there is no ending. And that's how far God has separated his sin from us. As far as the east is from the West. God has forgiven us of our sin. And then we see that he's lavished us with his grace by giving us wisdom and knowledge to be able to navigate ourselves, our lives in this sinful world and shine the light of his glory. Paul says that God has worked this, is working this. He has energized. When you look at the word work in the Greek, um, it, it, it means, or not doesn't mean, but it sounds like the word energized. And in God's working in our lives, he has energized us to be able to accomplish his will. And then the seventh blessing that we've looked at um, up to this point is that before time began, God determined our future and the future of this world. And he has told us how it's all going to come to a climax. It's all going to be united under the person of Christ. You know, this world is very divided at the moment. Extremely polarized. Even the church today is polarized. But we don't have to fret because God 
through the Apostle Paul has told us that everything is coming to a head. Everything is falling into place and it's all going to be summarized under the feet of Jesus Christ. And so Paul has given us a glimpse into the perp- into the, the future. But to this morning, we now come to verses 11 through 14 and we're going to look at the, the last few blessings here that we have in Christ. And uh, specifically, we're going to be looking at our inheritance. There is a gift that God has given through the person of the Holy Spirit. And God has purposed all of this work out, this plan, according to the counsel of his will. So with that in mind, let's read verses 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. This is the second time he's told us this in this this sentence of praise. Verse 12, So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Church, Christian, you have an inheritance to look forward to. And it is far greater than any earthly inheritance you will ever receive. Maybe you have received an inheritance up to this point. And it's been a blessing in your life, but it does not compare to the inheritance that awaits you by God the Father in heaven for all eternity. This is an inheritance that cannot be squandered. It's not going to fade away. It's going to be there for all eternity. Uh, look at First Peter. Let me just read First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and reserved in heaven for you. That's the inheritance that awaits us. But first, Paul wants to remind us once again in verse 11 of why he did all of this. Verse 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him 
who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. He's done all this in our lives, church, that we might praise his glory. You have been created. You have been designed. You have been chosen to give him praise all the days of your life. And the Bible says God has worked this. That Greek word for work is ergon. And that's where we get our word energy. God has energized you and I through the person of Christ to fulfill his will. I want you to go back to creation for just a moment. You know, we were just in Genesis and uh, we looked at those first six days and uh, God did specific things on each one of those days. And yes, I believe that God took a 24-hour period for those first six days and created what we enjoy today, okay? And when God created, he created things maturely. And when God worked those things, when God created those things, he energized each of the things that he created to do what they were capable and designed to do. God did this. That was his work. He energized these things. And they worked perfectly until... Adam and Eve rebelled. And then creation was broken. But one day, Jesus is going to come and he is going to redeem all of creation. I talk about creation and, uh, you know, you may have questions about creation. You know, we went through that or maybe you missed that, that series. And we kind of race through uh, the first uh, 11 chapters. But I want to invite you to a study that uh, Pat Scholes has put together um, on origins, looking at the first 11 chapters of of Genesis. Uh, There's going to be a Bible study class uh, starting the second week of January. And Pat has a load of material. And it's going to take some time. It'll probably take about six months to work through what he has. And this will be an opportunity for you to uh, ask any questions, um, address any concerns that you have with uh, with the first 11 chapters of uh, Genesis and and hopefully get those answers those those questions answered. Okay, so look forward to that. I want to encourage you to participate in that class as uh, we come up to the first of the year. But again, when God created, he energized everything to work uh, the way 
it's supposed to work. Now, Paul says the same is true for the one in Christ. Um, God has chosen us. God has energized us to to um, to live according to God's own pleasure, to live according to God's own purposes for our lives. And why did he do this? So that we could give him the praise and glory. He says this in verse 6. He says this in verse 12. And he says this in verse 14. Now, God's created everybody, right? But is everybody to do this? No, only those whom he has chosen. Only those whom he has adopted. Only those who have trusted trusted uh, God the Son when they heard the good news of the gospel. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This is for those who have trusted in the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, God determined this before the foundation of time, but here we see our responsibility. We must trust. We must believe. And those who have been predestined, those who have been adopted, those who have been chosen will in their period of time, okay, at some point in time that God has determined in advance, you are going to believe. God determined that in my life. I was eight years old. I'd grown up in church. I thought just by going to church, that made me a Christian. But then one day I realized, no, just by doing something doesn't make you a Christian. You have to give your heart and life over to Jesus Christ. Jesus has to become the Lord and Savior of your life. And so one day, one Sunday morning, Ashland Park Baptist Church in Fresno, California, my uncle led me in a sinner's prayer, and I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. God had determined that. God had purposed that in my life before time, Paul says. But it was my responsibility to believe. Now, Paul affirms the words of the Apostle John. Look at John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. 
Verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Yeah, I made that decision in Ashland Park Baptist Church when I was eight years old. But that was the will of God. That wasn't my will. Yes, I trusted. Yes, I prayed the sinner's prayer. But the Bible says I was saved, not because of my will. I was saved because of God. And the same is true for you as well. Now, how do you reconcile man's responsibility, man's free will, and God's sovereignty in choosing? You can't. You don't have, Charles Spurgeon says, you don't have to reconcile friends. The Bible speaks of both. But don't try to reconcile these things. It will will drive you crazy. Okay? Just know and be grateful for the fact that before you were even born, God knew your name. And God wanted you and called you his own through Christ. This is what the Bible says. This this is the blessing of God. And this believing is the grace of God. And we'll look more at that when we get to Ephesians chapter 2. But our responsibility, your responsibility following your salvation, is to give him glory and praise. How do we give him glory and praise? One of the ways is through corporate worship and what we did right now. Another way we give him glory and praise is by being his witnesses. Um, making disciples. And this will be our next memory verse starting next Sunday in Matthew chapter 28. And I'm sorry that uh, I forgot our memory verse as I began this message this morning. So I'm going to pause for a second. We don't have the verse on the screen, but let's repeat our memory verse for the month of November, okay? Begin. Thanks to the Lord, for He is his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Psalm 107, All right. Good job. If, 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 if that is not familiar to you yet, 
If you can't uh, repeat that in your sleep and just be reminded of that during the day, let me encourage you to not give up on that verse, okay? Um, because that is an important... We, we need to give thanks for all that God has done in our life. This is one of the purposes of His will to give him thanks, to give him glory for all that he's done, all that he is doing. And so we worship him. We, we're his disciples. We are his witnesses. And a third way we worship him is through our good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, has energized us to give him all glory, praise, and honor for his unfathomable, his lavish grace upon our lives. And so know this, and then what does Paul want us to know here uh, that is in verses 11 and 13? Paul wants us to know that we have an inheritance. We have obtained his inheritance. Look at verse 11 again and then verse 13. 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 13. In him also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of his Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So we've obtained this inheritance, and we have been sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, in verse 13, in, as a promise of the inheritance that is yet to come. Church, this is our future. This, this is our security. We are safe. We are protected. We are well kept in Jesus. And God has promised these things, the Bible says, through the Holy Spirit. He is our sealing. When you look at that word sealing, um, it's, it's like an official mark of identification, of authentic, authentication of um, who you belong to. You know, in, in the New Testament period, if there was an official document that was to be sent to somebody else, it was to be stamped with the seal, okay? And whoever signed that document, whoever was the owner of that document and what it decreed, that, that, that signer would put 
his not just his signature but his seal of uh, of authority on that document. Christian, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's God's stamp of authority over our life. Whatever God says, God is going to follow through on every one of those promises. And he's promised by giving us the seal in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that we've been redeemed. You know, we looked at that word last week, redeemed. It means three different things that we've bought, been bought in the marketplace. We've been bought out of the, the marketplace. But the word redeemed here in this passage of Scripture is the word Greek word luo, which means when, when God redeemed us through the precious blood of his Son, he redeemed us in a way that we can never go back to the marketplace. We can never be resold as a slave. We are set free. We belong to God the Father for all eternity. This is our security. This is what God has done in our life. And why has he done this? Well, he purposed it. He determined it. But secondly, God has done this because you have trusted him. You have believed uh, the gospel, Paul says, when you heard of it. So we've been sealed in the person of the Holy Spirit. This inheritance is completely yours. Now, have we received it yet? No, that's future. When are we going to receive this inheritance? We're going to receive the inheritance when we receive our glorified bodies. Okay? At the Lord's return. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read verses 51 through 54. Fifty-one says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. So we are going to receive our full inheritance at the last trumpet when we come back with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the body that has, has died, 
that which was perishable, that which was put back into the grave, when that body hears the trumpet of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that body is going to be raised now perfect, imperishable to meet our soul in the sky. And this is going to be when we receive our full inheritance. Well, where are we in the, then at the moment? Where's Ralph Smith? Is he asleep in the grave? No, his soul is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For those who have trusted, their last breath here is their first breath in heaven. They are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that full inheritance is not coming until the perishable puts on the imperishable. And so that's when we will ultimately receive our full inheritance. But until then, praise God, we are not left alone. We've got all these blessings in Christ. And we've been promised, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit is energizing us to fulfill what God's intended purpose for our life. He wants you. He wants me to give him glory and praise. He's repeated it three times. Verse 6, verse 12, and verse 14. You know what? We're not to go around and just live a life of selfies. You know, just taking pictures of ourselves and enjoying our life and and making sure our life is all together and that people like us and that it's all about me? No. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, to glorify Him, to encourage others, tell others about Him, Reflect Christ. Look at Second Corinthians chapter seven, chapter three, verses seventeen and eighteen. I am almost done. Second Corinthians three, seventeen and eighteen says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God has given us the Spirit to glorify Him, to worship Him, to be that living sacrifice, holy, set apart for him. We're not to live like the rest of the world. 
We're not to be a chameleon and just blend in with everybody else. No. God has given us wisdom and knowledge in how we are to live our lives for for him. God has taken the veil off of our hearts. We have the ability to, to see God's glory through Christ, to know God, to learn what God's will for our life is and give him glory and praise. Now you might be thinking, well, Pastor, am I just to live on a street corner and just give him glory and praise? And that's the whole purpose of my life. Is that how I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life? You know, young people are constantly asking, you know, what does God want me to do with the rest of my life? I've got to earn a living some way. What's that going to look like? What does God want me to do? Well, my question to you is, what do you like to do? How may God have wired you to accomplish certain things? What are your passions in life? If there's anything you could do in life, what would it be? And as you begin to answer those questions... Pursue those dreams. But in pursuing those dreams, whatever that dream might be, give him glory and praise. If he's made you an engineer on China Lake, at China Lake, as an engineer, give him glory and praise for all that he's doing in your life. There were lots of different professions in this church in Ephesus. But whatever that profession was, God's people, this church, those individuals, was to give him glory and praise. This is why God has given us all of these blessings. May we learn these. May we embrace these. For some of you, you may struggle with some of these truths right now. I mean, to encourage you to do further study on whatever blessings that you struggle with right now. Because God wants to reveal more of his, his grace that he is lavishly poured out on you. In that wisdom and in that knowledge, and as you know more and more about God and what Jesus has done, may we go as the as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, from glory to glory, may we just continue to grow more and more in the image of Jesus Christ. And we won't get there ultimately 
and we'll, until we come back with him at that last trumpet when you and I will receive our full inheritance. But just know this morning, if you've trusted him, when you heard the gospel and you believed, all these blessings were made available to you. You received them all. And God says he sealed you in these things. And the person of the Holy Spirit. God's not going to renege. God cannot renege on his promises. And if you struggle with the security of your salvation... You need to trust these words. Because these are God's promises of what he has already done. May it encourage us in our walk with the Lord. And if you're here this morning, and if you've never trusted him, you've heard these, the gospel, but you haven't trusted him with your life, may today be the day of your salvation. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for these incredible promises that are so very real. Lord, I I thank you that there's nothing that we can do to unseal what you've sealed. God, if there's one here today who is struggling with their salvation, questioning, Lord, whether they're in you or not. Lord, I pray that these words would just set them free. That God, that you paid the ultimate price with your precious son's blood. And in that purchase price, Lord, you will never send us back to the to the slave days of slavery again. We've been set free. Thank you, Father, for all these promises. Encourage your people. If there's one who's never trusted you, Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you